Thank you. And uh, just to answer the question, full disclosure, you show up at my house unannounced, you are welcome, but the house looks how it looks and you get what you get. <laughs> but you're welcome. <laughs> Everybody is well this morning, yes? Yeah. I see lots of bright smiles. That makes my heart happy. Fills me with warmth. I'm always happy to be here to shake hands and give hugs and greet my brothers and sisters and just bask in the warmth and the love of just being around family members. I thank God uh, for the, uh, the unity that he's brought us into. I thank God for his purpose of calling us together so we can encourage each other and fellowship with one another and share with one another. And I hope that you feel the same way. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. All right, if you're a guest with us today and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm part of the team here for Family North Oaks. I am the pulpit minister. That means I usually give the message on Sunday mornings. And if I haven't met you yet, I hope we definitely have a chance to shake hands before you leave today. So please, just make it a point. Just come up. And if nothing, I, I talk a lot uh, after I preach. I talk a lot before I preach. I talk a lot while I'm preaching. So if you walk up, I'll probably be talking to somebody. Uh, don't feel like you're interrupting. Just start talking. We'll, we'll work you in. All right? So just let's, let's just talk. Amen? Amen? All right. You guys ready for the lesson? Yes. You ready for the lesson? Yes. All right. You know, I like to do my affirmation. So if you'd like to join me, please hold up your Bibles and your Bible apps. And just repeat these words after me. Say, I believe, I believe. the word of God. Word of God. I, hope I hope in the promises of God. I trust my life, trust my life. To, the to the will of God. Amen. 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 Today we are continuing uh, in the series that we began uh, last Sunday, uh, talking about living a, a transformed life. And the idea here is that uh, because of faith, uh, because of what God has revealed to us, because of the truths that God has enlightened us with, we have responded in a certain way. We have acted in certain ways, emitted, uh, uh, exhibited uh, certain behaviors and performed uh, certain specific acts because we believe what God has told us, uh, because we believe that Jesus is who Jesus is and that Jesus offers what he said he offers and that Jesus promises uh, what he said he promises and we respond accordingly. That makes sense, right? If you believe something, you act like you believe it, amen? I'll be that vague on purpose, but if you believe something, you act like you believe it. And because we act like we believe it, things are different. Amen? Our lives are different because of our belief in or our faith in Jesus. Our lives are transformed because of our belief in or our faith in Jesus. Our lives are not what they used to be, but become something different, become something transformed, become something more along the lines of what God would have them to be because of our belief and because of God's work. Is that all right? We okay with that idea? We okay with that idea? Not many of you know this. Not long ago, probably about a month ago, uh, no, actually a little more than a month ago, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. my daughter had surgery. It was minor. It was nothing. It was a vanity surgery, but a surgery nonetheless. She went under anesthetics and they cut into her body, right? We had great belief in that process and in that system. There were uh, stated risks uh, in that process and in that system uh, we accepted that, and because we had faith that the risks were going to be minimal, that the success would be uh, probable, we allowed that process to happen, and we put our trust and faith in her 
caregivers. And because of that faith, things are different for her now. The thing that needed to be corrected got corrected, and she is going on in a new state of being because of the transformation. Make sense? Make sense? That's an obvious example. Our lives in Christ are supposed to be just as obvious. And last week we talked about uh, 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 faith that works. We talked about faith that exhibits itself in such a way that people are able to attribute your actions to your faith in God. And that's not minimal. And that's not a suggestion. And that's not a, you know, you know, you know how things should be. No, that's actually what we can consider the natural law of faith that we are doing things and living life in such a way that the only possible answer that people can come up with is one, either you're crazy or two, they believe in God. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And the two can coexist. Um, I want us to start today with a, a simple truth, a very simple truth that we'll use as an illustration. If you have a gas-powered car and you don't put gas in your car, then your car's not going to work. That's a simple truth. I mean, other things too, you got to do oil, you got to do air, you got to do all your fluids, you got to get your tune-ups. But, but if you have a gas-powered car and you don't put gas in your car, your car's not going to work. Now you can do other things with your car. You can get in there, you can roll down the windows, you can turn the radio on. You can play with the seat. But nobody says, you know what? I really need a car. I have to go get a car because I need to recline in the seat. No, people say, I need a car so I can go places. And if your car doesn't go places, your car doesn't work. Amen? And some of us, some of us are of the mindset that if any little thing goes wrong with our car, we want a brand new car. Right? Right? My battery died. I need a new car. <laughs> no. Give your car what it needs and it will work. Right? Mm -hmm. My radio is working. I need a new car. The car is not about the radio, the car is not about the windows, the car is not about the seat. All those things happen in the car, but the car is about going places. And to make your car go places, you have to give the car what it needs to go places. You put gas in it. Amen? Amen. The car in general works the way it's designed to work if we give it what it needs. Amen? Amen. Faith reveals itself in our actions. But faith is often fueled in quiet moments that we spend sitting at Jesus' feet. You see what I did there? You see what I did there? You see what I did there? Faith reveals itself in actions. And I never want anybody to misunderstand me. Uh, uh, the actions aren't faith. But faith reveals itself in actions. But faith is fueled in those moments that we spend learning and listening to Jesus, those moments that we spend at Jesus's feet. Now, now, now people are busy. Uh, uh, 
you know, generally in, in, in the world today, and I, you know, the world today is one of those things that we have to say because we can't define the particular time because the world today is the same as the world tomorrow and the world today is the same as the world was yesterday in terms of this statement. People are busy. Uh, we are taught to be busy. We're taught that we're supposed to be busy. We live in an era of busyness. We're taught that we're supposed to be busy. Uh, truth is, uh, sometimes we, we, we're, we're busy in a moment uh, that gets us ready to be busy for the next moment. We can't even focus on the moment itself because we're thinking about the next thing, right? We double book. Uh, we plan too closely together. Uh, uh, we're supposed to be here, and then after this, we're supposed to be some someplace that's 20 minutes away, but uh, uh, we're supposed to get there uh, 20 minutes from now, but we set the appointment for 10 minutes from now. How's that going to happen? We rush in because we're late, and we're trying to do everything that we, that we have to do because uh, I, I got to make up for the time that I lost getting here because if I don't make it up here, I'm going to be late for the next thing, and we just bounce from thing to thing to thing because we are busy people. Amen. We live in an era of busyness. But if we don't fuel ourselves spiritually, we can be busy in life and not be going anywhere. Does that make sense? If you're normal, you don't fuel your car while you're driving. If you're normal. Now, I did see this real cool thing where like a jet was flying and then like this other big thing with gas in it came, and then a hose came down, and then the hose attached to the jet, and then the jet got gas while it was flying. That was dope. <laughs> but that's not how we fuel up our cars, right? If you're normal, you don't fuel up while you're driving. You have to intentionally go to a gas station. You have to stop your car next to the pump. You have to turn off the engine and cease all car activity. You have to get out of your car. You have to put the thing in the thing. You got to swipe. And then you got to turn around and swipe again because you swiped on the wrong side. <laughs> right? And then you got to have this conversation with this machine. No, I don't want a car wash. No, I don't. I don't I'm not a Vons Rewards member. <laughs> it's all this stuff so I can get some gas. You got to do all this stuff. I don't want a receipt. Give me my gas. <laughs> You have this whole conversation with the, with, 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 with the, it's a box. You put the thing in and you fuel up. And you know what? You take the time that it takes to fill up. I mean, I know some of y'all still putting four on number four, but if you swiped, fill up. But you take the time that it takes to fill up. It's a very intentional act. People don't fuel up by accident. Nobody has ever spilled gas into your car. It's a very intentional act to stop and get full. Are, are, are we all there? And then after you fill up, you have the confidence that you can go on for a while. Amen? That's what we see in Mary in this account of, of Luke 10. Can you pull up the Luke 10 account? And we, 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 we've looked at this account before, and I, I really, really like this account because there is so much that goes on in this account. I know some of you guys may have heard about me that I can like preach for like an hour and a half, sometimes like close to two hours. You never experienced that. You may have heard that. Some of you may not have heard that, and that might be, this might be a surprise for you. It's absolutely true. But one of the reasons, 
One of the reasons why I have the ability to preach for like such a long, long time is because there are texts like this that are so rich. And I used to feel this burden of trying to bring out every single thing that is in a text. And so it's not my fault. It's the, it's the text fault. <laughs> I talk about the text, right? But then, you know, it dawned on me, you know what? Hey, you know what? You, 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 you can go to a text another time and bring this out this time and then bring this out that time and then bring this out this time. So that's why we'll see some of the same text a number of times. So I want to look at the different aspects and the things that, that these texts bring out. And I like this text because there is so much that's going on in this text. And there's something that I want to highlight for us today. And there's something I want to ask you to do today. Luke 10, beginning at 38. It says, and as they were on their way, Jesus came into a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. It's easier for me to read that far away than it is to read up this close. She had a sister named Mary who was sitting at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her serving. Uh, she came over and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered and told her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is needed. In fact, Mary has chosen that what? Better part. Mary has chosen that better part part which will not be taken from her and again we've we've talked about many things in this text before so I'm not going to rehash the things that we've talked about before but 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 just as a a, a flyover we see that here uh, uh, Luke is giving us this account and in the words that that Jesus gives uh, us in this account we see that Mary and Martha are shown as contrasts here in this account uh, at, at least what they are doing uh, what they are uh, giving themselves over to what they are uh, putting their mental energy to and their physical energy to they are shown as contrasts and Jesus lets them know and Jesus lets us know by letting them know what really matters. Amen. What really matters. Like I said before, if you just show up at my house, that's the way the house looks. If I know you're coming, you got a 50 50 shot. I take that. You know what? I, I said 50 50 because it sounds good. If I know you coming, you got an 80 20 shot. You got an 80-20 shot. Uh, more than likely, I meant to clean up. I knew I should clean up before you got there. I just didn't. If we, like, plan something and you're, like, coming to eat, it, it'll be clean. It, it will be because if, if we planned, like, a whole lunch thing, we planned that, like, a month ahead of time, and I paced myself. All right? But, like, if you, if you just showed up at the house right now, there is literally a twin-size box spring in the foyer. Yay! <laughs> I got to figure out a way to, to dump it. I don't, and I know I got a call for a large pickup, and I just I haven't done that yet. But my wife is getting tired of looking at it, but it's there. But Jesus is contrasting Mary and Martha, and what's going on with them. Martha was busy. Amen. And I always like to point out that Martha was busy, literally serving Jesus. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She wasn't doing anything bad. She wasn't doing bad stuff. Jesus was in Martha's home and Martha was being hospitable to Jesus and all of the disciples. She was doing a good work. She was doing a good service. I don't think anybody would have looked at what Martha was doing and thought, you know what? She needs to cut that out. No, she was doing good stuff. 
Amen? But notice that Martha is described as distracted and worried and upset. Martha is serving Jesus and she's distracted and worried and upset. Anybody relate? Anybody relate? And I, and I, and I know you relate because we're all people and I can relate. And often one of the things that is upsetting is that we feel like Martha, where we feel like we're doing everything and other people aren't doing anything. Amen. Amen. That's another sermon. We're not we're not we're not preaching that. But Martha is distracted and worried and upset. And one of the things that's upsetting her is that she can actually look at Mary and see that Mary is just sitting on the floor not helping. That's Martha's perspective. Mary's not helping. And from Martha's perspective, she probably thinks Mary isn't doing anything. Amen? Mary is described as having chosen the better thing. That means the opportunity was there to choose one or the other. And she decided to choose the better thing. Are, are we okay with that idea? Mary saw the opportunity to sit at Jesus's feet. Mary saw the opportunity to learn from Jesus. Mary saw the opportunity to get what Jesus had to, 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 to offer her, and she recognized her need to learn from Jesus. Don't miss that part. Don't miss that part. Because she not only saw the opportunity to learn from Jesus, she recognized her need to learn from Jesus. Are we all there? Are we all there? Raise your hand if you have a need to learn. Some hands didn't go up. Some hands went up way too slow. But we have that, we have that need to learn. Are we there? Are we there? If Mary, if in, in Mary, we see the need to go to the gas station. In Mary, we see the need to stop, turn off the engine, argue with the box, and take the time to fill up. Are we all there? Now, one of the things that I really love about this account is that Mary's a woman. And I like the fact that Mary is a woman in this account because this is one of the, the times where Jesus is breaking those stereotypes. Jesus is breaking those traditions. Jesus is breaking those norms. Jesus is letting us know that the prejudices that we have set up in our society do not apply in God's kingdom. Jesus is, is giving us this, this understanding that the limits that we want to put on people do not apply in God's kingdom. And the things that we think are proper and normal in our society aren't necessarily proper and normal in his mission. Are we all there? Are we okay with that idea? See, Martha, well, I mean, excuse me, Mary was at Jesus's feet learning from him. And we understand that Jesus was a rabbi and that Jesus was operating in this typical, normal, very familiar rabbinical system where he had students and those students lived life with him and those students followed him and emulated him and that he taught them with word and that he taught them with example and he was pouring himself into them and a very common feature would be for the teacher to be in some sort of uh, relaxed or seated or comfortable position and for his students to be reclining at his feet while he taught. This is a normal thing 
for young men in that system. And we already know that the men who Jesus chose to be his followers and to learn and to recline at his feet were probably the young men who were looked over by the other rabbis. These were the guys who were not uh, deemed worthy by the traditional. Amen. So this is already the B team. This is already the, the outsiders. These are already the outcasts where Jesus is saying the people who you think are going to bring you the keys to the kingdom are not the people that I'm going to give the keys to the kingdom to. The people that you have overlooked, the people that you have rejected, the people who you have ascribed no value or worth to. These are going to be the people who are the who are the, the, the most valuable in the kingdom as they serve you with what I give them. He already chose the atypical. Are we there? And then included among the atypical, which breaks the norms, which breaks their traditions, which breaks their, their understanding, is a woman who is invited to be a learner from the rabbi. Are, are, are we all there? We see Jesus choosing unlikely men, and we see Jesus choosing an unlikely person in all of her personages as well. And that shows another contrast between Martha and Mary, because if an outsider comes in and they see Martha being very busy doing all the serving, that looks normal. But we see Mary at the feet of the teacher learning that doesn't. That doesn't look normal. Our lives are just not supposed to look normal, folks. I don't know how many times I can say it and how many different ways I can say it. We're supposed to just be odd <laughs> and to relish in being odd. Yes. We are literally described as a peculiar people. And so when people look at me like, Jonathan, you're kind of weird. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, not for why you think, but well, that too. But yeah, we're supposed to be a peculiar people and look what society does to us society makes us feel bad for being godlike peculiar one of the things that christians try to do whether we whether we know we're doing it or not but christians always just try to blend in and not let our faith or our Christianity or the expressions of our faith or the profession of our faith ruffle any feathers. We don't want we don't want to stand out because we're Christian. We don't want to make any noise because we're Christian. We want to be Christian, but we don't want to bother nobody about it. Now, I'm not saying that when you go to work, you stand up on a soapbox and get you a megaphone and disrupt the whole place. I'm saying everybody in your workplace should know you're different. You just have to be different. Don't try to be different. Try to be what God has called you to be. And in trying to be what God has called you to be, he will make you different. You are set apart. You are holy. You are consecrated. You are for a different purpose. You are maintained differently. You are sustained differently. You are filled and fueled differently. You're even named differently. Everybody else goes to work to go to work. You go to work because that's the mission field God has placed you in. Don't you get that? Don't you get that? Don't you get that? Don't you get that? We're different. And we have to be different on sight. Amen, amen, amen. We don't blend in. We see Mary getting fueled. And we can't be too busy to put gas in the car. We can't be too busy to put gas in the car. 
One of the things that, 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 that auto manufacturers has done for us is that they have not left it up to us to guess when the, when the car needs gas. They put the gas meter in there. Now, some of us ignore the gas meter, but they put the gas meter in there. And the gas meter is intended to let us know when the car needs gas. Now, some of us adhere to that rule where we're never going to let our, our tank go down below half. Some of us just have a, a regular routine, and I, I actually think the regular routine makes sense. Every Monday afternoon, you fill up. Every, every Wednesday morning, you fill up. Whatever your routine is, you just fill up whether your, your meter says you need it or not, and that makes sense to me. You're always going to be okay. A amen? In the Ultima, you can't trust the gas meter. It has reached that stage. My gas meter is a liar. <laughs> so what I have to do is every time I fill up, I have to reset the trip odometer to zero and then watch how far I go. <laughs> now, that makes sense to me as a person because in my life, my gas meter don't make sense. And I have to be very cognizant of how far I travel how much energy I expend, and what I give to who at what time between fill-ups. My car, in that sense, is trying to remind me of who I actually am as a person. I think God did that. I think God messed with my gas meter <laughs> to remind me of who I am as a person. Amen, amen, amen? But we're not supposed to just guess and haphazardly decide here and there to go put some in the tank. We have these indicators, we have these instruments, we have these helps that let us know you need gas right now, right now. And some of us, even when we play with the gas meter, some of those I know my car kind of people, when your car gets on E, you're like, I can go four more blocks. But even then, the indicator is there, you need a fill up, amen, amen, amen. We know we need the gas, right? We know we need the gas regularly, right? We know that there are indicators that let us know when we need gas immediately, right? Okay, I, I hope you accept this too because some, this is something that, that is harder for people to accept. We also need to sit at somebody's feet. All of us need to have a teacher. Each of us needs a mentor. Each of us needs a, a personal relationship with somebody who knows us and who loves us and who feeds us. It's not just a matter of knowing that we're supposed to get full. It is the matter of intentionally going to the station to fill up. And we all understood the analogy of intentionally going to the station, but if I asked you, who's your station, would you have an answer? Yeah? You have the person. You can call him right now. You can name him. I'm being, I'm, I'm being, I'm being serious because I honestly thought this was going to be something new to us, that we all need a specific individual teacher in our lives that we get filled up from regularly. You have that. I'm not talking about this. This is a broadcast. 
This is one guy yelling at a bunch of other folks, hoping something sticks. I'm talking about the person that you're going to knock on their door or they're going to knock on your door. Or you're going to meet at Starbucks or you're going to meet at Johnny Rockets or wherever you go. And you're going to sit down with each other. They know you. They know your middle name and your kids names. You know them. You know their wife's names and where they work. They call you and text you and you guys have this exchange. They know the dirt of your life. I'm talking about that guy. I preach to you. I'm your preacher. For some of you. I'm your friend and I'm your guy. That ain't for me for everybody. So when I'm saying your fill up, I'm not talking about your weekly lecture and I'm not diminishing the weekly lecture. I think the weekly lectures are great. <laughs> but I'm talking about right here. Right here. You know, your friend who knows that thing that you do that you're not supposed to do, but you're struggling with doing it. So you still do it sometimes and you let him know when you do it. And sometimes you call him when you're about to do it so he can stop you from doing it. That guy. That guy. We all need a personal teacher. We all need somebody who we go to with the intention of receiving from and learning from we all have to have somebody who's going to hold us accountable and who we are accountable to and we hold them accountable as well N nothing in scripture tells us that we're supposed to go it alone nothing in scripture tells us that we're supposed to figure it out all by ourselves everything in scripture tells us that we're supposed to be in relationships with people who are pouring into us amen See, when I talk about filling up at the gas station, I can tell you, I go right over here to Costco all the time. I'm a Costco member and they have cheap gas and I'm cheap enough to wait in that line to fill up. And so when I ask you, where do you go to fill up? And you're like, eh, anyway, I'm like, you wasting money. And so when I ask you, where do you go to, to, for people to invest in you and build you up and hold you accountable? Where do you go to confess and be vulnerable and be transparent? You need to name a name. Amen. Amen. Because if you're not filling up that way, you only think you're filling up. If, if, if your thing is, I read my scriptures every day. Good. Me too. If your thing is, I, I, I study and I pray. Good. You're supposed to. Me too. But you have to get taught. Don't you have to get taught? Don't you think you have to get taught? I mean, do you guys think I know the Bible? I, I need some confidence. <laughs> do you guys think I know the Bible? Yes. I better shout to the heavens. You guys think I know the Bible? Yes. yes. But I have teachers. Still to this day, I have teachers. When I had black hair and barely a mustache, I had teachers. And now that I'm gray, I won't, I'll never say old and gray, but now that I'm gray, I still have teachers. And I still have those people who know me and love me and feed me that I can open up to and be me. And they hold me accountable. Those people that I can call up in those times when times seem really hard. You know, you know those times when, when you guys are on Facebook and you just don't see anything from me? It's because I got stuff going on and I don't feel like being public because I need to go be private and I go to my guy. Amen. Everything in scripture is giving us this idea that learners are receiving from teachers. We have this idea of the older women teaching the younger women, not just about scriptures, about life. 
We have this idea of the older men teaching the younger men, not just about scriptures, about life about things that we are going through, about things that we're going to encounter, about things that we should be endeavoring toward. How do you learn how to be a responsible adult? By learning from responsible adults who are going to hold you accountable to becoming a responsible adult. And that's in what we call life. I don't even think about it in terms of being a Christian because being a Christian is living life. Amen? This is a faith thing. This is a faith thing. And as we understand the Great Commission, the Great Commission that says we're supposed to go everywhere and make disciples and baptize them and teach them everything that Jesus taught us. Amen. So if we are making disciples, that means we are disciples, which means that somebody came where we were and they taught us and they baptized us. And we're missing this other clause that's in there that they are teaching us how to do everything that God or their teacher taught them. We're supposed to be perpetual learners. That's next week's message. <laughs> we're supposed to be perpetual learners. Amen. So this is the next step. If we are not there yet, because some of you have indicated that you are. The next step for those of us who are members of the family is to get into that type of relationship. You got to pick somebody. You got you to gotta, you eye somebody and then start the relationship. Now, this is how you don't do it, because this, this, this has always made me feel weird. When somebody walks up to me and goes, hey, Jonathan, you know, I was thinking, can you mentor me? That just makes me feel weird. <laughs> just makes me feel weird. All right. I get where you're going, you got there too fast. Way too fast. Let's start with uh, sitting down and just chatting. Let's see what the rapport is like. Let's see if we can start opening up to people more organically because then we can actually be friends. We use words like mentor, but mentors are actually friends, but there's a purpose to the friendship and the friendship is to pour into, a amen? Let's sit down. Let's start chatting. Let's maybe go get a meal together. Let's go get a, a coffee together. Let, let, let's start interacting the way friends interact. And so then we can start the relationship where I can then start learning from you. Amen. And if you don't have one in your life, key in on somebody. The first person you might pick might not be the guy. Move to somebody else. Try two or three. Uh, uh, set up some appointments. Now, don't call them appointments. Call them get togethers. All right. Say, hey, hey, you know what? Let's go grab a coffee. Hey, you know what? Let's go get lunch. Hey, you want to come by and watch the game? Hey, you want to come by and, and do this activity that I think we both are enjoying? I don't know what your activity is, but let's spend some time together and start getting to know each other. And let me see if we can develop this rapport where this relationship is going to be beneficial for both of us, because you will teach me from your experience and your wisdom. I will learn from your experience and wisdom and you'll become more of what you're supposed to become uh, in, in giving to me. And I will become more of what I'm supposed to come in receiving from you. Can we do that this week? Mm, I got this side. Can we do this this week? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I need us to understand this because we have this idea. Jesus had disciples. Jesus' disciples had disciples. Paul had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. John the Apostle had disciples. Timothy had disciples. Titus had disciples. That is the way it was 
done and somewhere along the way we stopped doing that and we thought that the broadcast was supposed to be the only thing. Jesus did the broadcast and Jesus had disciples. His disciples, some of them, some of them did the broadcast, but they all had disciples. Are we there? So if we're in the family, that's, that's our next step. That's our next step to get into this position where we are intentional learners from a specified teacher and the, and the relationship will bless your life and I promise you the relationship will bless your life because we are designed to work when we're filled through that type of relationship the same way your car is designed to go when you fill it with gas some of us just aren't getting filled that's why we're not going amen 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 if you are not in relationship the way God describes relationship if, 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 if your relationship with God it, it, it doesn't emulate what the Bible says relationship with God is like, well, then that's one of the reasons why we have gatherings like this. The, a gathering like this, as intimidating as it is to some types of people, to some people, a gathering like this is supposed to be less intimidating than somebody walking up in your door going, you know you're going to hell if you're going to get baptized, right? You're supposed to be much, much less intimidating than that. You're supposed to be able to walk into here have some coffee, have a donut. Let some very nice people out there shake your hand and tell you how happy they are that you came. And that's not just the line. People are actually happy you came. That you come in, you sit down, you praise with us, you pray with us, you hear a message, and hopefully the message uh, moves you to such a way that you want to know more about what God has for your life and what relationship with God is all about. You learn of the love of God that came to us in the form of the man, Jesus Christ. You understand the love that was extended to us through the passion and the mission and the life of Jesus Christ. You understand the sacrifice that was made for us because Jesus Christ went up on the cross. And you understand the miracle of life that was extended to us because, because Jesus died, was put in the grave, defeated death, and was risen by God and ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of God as our savior, as our brother, as our intercessor, and as our king. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And this is supposed to be a much more palatable way for that message to be put out there. Amen? But if you have questions... That's what we do. We answer questions. If you want prayer, we sit down with you and we pray with you. I love to have conversations about the wonderfulness of Jesus and what Jesus has done and what Jesus does and, and what Jesus offers us. If, if you don't have time today, let's have that conversation sometime this week. I would not mind having coffee with you, having lunch with you and opening up the scriptures and letting the scriptures speak to you. Call me, text me, hit me on Facebook, catch me an email. We can have the conversation in any mode, method or means that you like so that the message of God can reach you. We're going to stand. And this is just our tradition. It's just the way that we, that we, that we do it. We're going to sing what we call the Song of Invitation. During the Song of Invitation, if, if you have particular prayer requests or prayer, or prayer needs, uh, uh, some of our elders and the members of our ASAP team always say a prayer. They're going to go into Milk and Honey, and if you'd like them to pray with you and pray for you, uh, you can join them in Milk and Honey when we start the song. For the rest of us, we're going to stand and encourage all of those who want to put Christ on in baptism right now because they know today is their day. We're going to encourage them to come down while we stand, while we sing. Let's sing the song. Beyond description to marvelous for 
careful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp the wisdom and wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in awe of you, I stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. All praise is due. I stand in awe of you. Thank you, Jonathan, for that lesson.